Welcome back to Talking in Stations. I'm your host, Rain, and I'm joined by Artemis as we're going to go through this week's news. We don't really have a, a huge huge topic to discuss, so instead we're probably going to discuss a lot of these little things that people would have missed. Um, Artemis, sorry, I think you were going to say something. I was just going to say hello. How's everybody doing today? It is, it is a nice, cozy show today. Yeah, I feel like with um, the entire like nation of, of America is just like on fire and nobody wants to like do anything. So that's kind of how this, this show reflects. Everyone's just kind of like getting comfy, not doing too much effort because it's hot as heck outside. Listen, like when you've got a nice campfire, you grab a blanket and some s'mores and enjoy yourself. Definitely not happening where I'm at. It's, it's like 100 degrees when it's night out. But yeah, that's that's the goal I want the, the, the vibe to be. The campfire, s'mores, blanket vibe. This is true. Dumpster fires do work best in the winter. That is, that is so accurate. All right, so we, we can go on the first the first uh, news. I know we discussed this before, so dock workers disbanding. Um, so yeah, you can see, I think like the, we first covered it when it was just announced, but you can see actually where all the groups are leaving and going to, um, Alexander obviously had to step away. Um, real life always calls and, uh, um, hi Fuston. Today's show is about like a little bit of everything. So no, no real big talk topics right now. We're talking about doc, doc workers disbanding because I know we announced it, I think right when it happened. So now we can kind of see where those corps and those organizations kind of move to. You'll notice yeah. they have. They obviously don't have, so they're a low set group, so they obviously don't have SOV or anything along those lines. I think the interesting part is a lot of them are moving to null sec groups. It's like we've got Sanctuaries of Shadows, they just joined Brave, have some of them joining We Form Blob. Of course, some did go to Shadow Cartel, that as well, one went to Fraternity. So they are spreading their way around, some of them just leaving Losec and going to Nullsec, presumably. Yeah, I also think it's interesting because some joining Brave and some joining Fraternity is uh, opposite sides of the war that's happening in the North. So I wonder if they if they just found the alliance that works best for them, or if maybe there's some like secret beef and they're like, oh, I hate those guys, let's go fight them. Well, to be fair, I went a little too far down on the list there. The ones who joined Fraternity actually left back in 2021. In terms oh. of the people who just left when the Alliance disbanded, looks like one went to Brave, one went to Weform Blob. I'm not seeing any to Fraternity. Okay, okay, I gotcha. I am curious what the boys is. If this is a new low-sec group, it seems to have formed just recently out of ex-Dockworkers Corporations. Let me see what's going on with their with their Z kill. Yeah, that's interesting. It does sound very like if I was to guess, it would sound very low secky. Of like a small group of friends just kinda hanging out. Uh Z Kill does not like me searching for them, so we will never know. Oh dear. Okay. That's the classic Z Kill. Um yeah. Oh wow. It's like it's like showing nothing. Okay. So LB, maybe they just formed like three days ago, so maybe they haven't done anything yet. They're trying to get all moved or something along those lines. Fair enough. I mean, pretty good at moving, I suppose, if they haven't lost a hauler at least. Yeah, well, their ticker is Soups, so I'm assuming that's either a reference to the TV show The Boys, or maybe they actually fly Supers, so you don't want to lose them. I totally did not catch that reference. Yeah, yeah, so um, for those who don't know, The Boys was a comic, and now it's a TV show on Amazon. It's actually pretty great. 
And um, soups is what they refer to as superheroes. So there are people with superpowers, and I just call them soups. Zalarus in chat uh, says that soups is in fact a reference. All right. So definitely they don't fly supers then. I'm sad. I mean, maybe they do both. It would be good. It would be good if they uh, did all their killing with, like, supers, and then they're like, ha-ha, guys, we're just a low sick alliance. Find us in a plex. <laughs> oh, God. Is the... Are supers cloaked off of a large plex still a thing? I remember when that was, like, the bane of faction warfare, where you would have supers in capitals just way off the button on a large plex. Um, which is possible in larges because you can, like, warp anything to them. There is no gate on the outside. But there's also no warping once you're inside of the plaque. So as long as you can burn it far enough away, nothing can, like, combat probe and warp directly on top of your super or your capital. I mean, they could. I, I've, it's been a while since I've been in Faction Warfare, at least reasonable enough to kind of watch this kind of stuff. But, I mean, that's definitely a possibility where it could still happen. I wonder if folks like Snuff still do that. I don't know. I hear they're I hear they're busy just bashing random medium structures over in Tama at the moment. That's like a very weird flex for them. I would not expect that. I mean, the cores can be valuable if the structure is cored. Like it's a quick payday if they've got nobody to fight them, and if they do get a fight, then hey, it's content. Why not? Yeah, fair. Oh yeah, I guess it's medium, so that'd be the only the two timers. So that makes a lot more sense then. Are you actually gonna go see? Yes. I am. I'm gonna see what's going on with the capitals. Or the sorry, the citadels. Is it structures? Are they kind of structures? They are. Let me filter for just stuff that has been killed by. Alrighty. Oh, that's. I mean, that's recent. Last couple weeks. Also, not as much as I was led to believe. It's okay. Could be the typical. Anything dies in low sack, it dies to a snuff alt corp. Yeah. Sorry, my cat is very needy today. I was gonna say we can we can transition on to um to non sec things because I know Brave had their soda state of the alliance. They did, and I appreciated it very much. Um, for the record, in terms of my biases, I am a member of Brave Empire, like their high sec wing, so I I literally do nothing for the war effort, but I'm waving the team flag. That's so funny, and it's always Dunk Dinkle who's like a good lad. Indeed, with the with the wild suits and the the crazy food and lots of alcohol, as always. This yeah, particular, that, go ahead. To say, is that a blue donut on that plate? It is a one of the cupcake things, where it's like a cupcake with the frosting on top. So that is blue frosting. Okay. In my oh. personal opinion, the frosting is the best part of the cupcake. And don't at me. Hi. Right, what, what were you saying? The the general tone of this soda was surprisingly, like, upbeat, as one would expect. It is the middle of a war. Um, Dunk explicitly calls out during the soda, like, this war that is going on between Brave, GTC, Fraternity. It's going to be won or lost based on the individual's group's morale, who is willing to continue fighting. And we'll talk a little bit more about the details and, and how we can see that this is true and not just a narrative being spun by by Brave, um, but that's that's a general tone, and so as one would expect, it is fairly upbeat, celebrating the victories, and then with in typical Brave fashion, saying, hey, don't talk in local, stay classy, that sort of thing. Nice, it's very classic of, of Dunk, I think. I don't watch a lot of his videos, when I do, they're always very positive, even when he's, uh, I know he's sent out some angry videos before, but they're still really positive. 
All right, well, let's talk or let's dig into the details of the war a bit. We talked, I believe it was two weeks ago, perhaps three. We had KCLP on the show and discussed some updates with the war. Since then, at least to my knowledge, now we'd love to get further information from other groups as we can, but things are fairly stagnant. Um, the way that timers work when you have fraternity in Chinese time zone and then GTC and Brave pretty heavily into the EU and US time zone, it's difficult to get good timers, be it for sovereignty or for citadels, to make these big fights happen. And then when they do, there's a chance that nobody shows up for the fight anyway. But we did have one big one that happened in UMI, UMI, on the 22nd, where in this particular case, uh, Brave and GTC came out on the winning end. They also had quite superior numbers. But you had Fraternity in Nightmares with some fact support versus Brave in Munins. And uh, the Munins won. And you said this was over a timer? I am not sure on this particular fight what the what the catalyst was. I would not be surprised if it was a timer. I'm going to try and see if I can confirm that based on some lost mails here, but... Yeah, because that would be good. I know a lot of times, like even non-war, you try to make timers so that way you can have a fight. But yeah, uh, like you said, time zone tanking. A lot of people get really upset at time zone tanking, but when you literally have people who live across the world, it actually makes sense. Like, why should someone have to wake up at 3 a.m. to do a fight that, you know, like, to defend their stuff, right? If you're going to own something, you might as well have, be able to defend it when you're most active. I'm not seeing any Citadel on any of these kill mails, which suggests to me at the very least it didn't happen on a Citadel grid, because it would be silly not to man a Citadel if you're fighting on top of one. It could have been related to a Citadel timer and just the Nightmares and their fact support got caught on a gate, that would be personally surprising to me because Nightmares are pretty good at burning out of bubbles with their AB bonus, so you have to web them down. You can't just bubble them or scram them or anything. Yeah, Minions are could... also very, very mobile. This could also be um, over iHub timers, which I don't know if Umi is a system or in a constellation that had iHub timers. What's oh, in tribute? Yes, yeah, so I don't even know if it'd be iHub because that would be the other thing is if you're fighting over... Um, iHub nodes to try and figure those out and um, defend those or attack those. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So we can actually go through and look. This is something I wanted to talk about during the show today, because during these wars of attrition, um, and let me make this a little bit bigger for the stream. There we go. During wars of attrition, it's often like timer spam is considered very important. You'll see memes and propaganda about troll toasting, which is where groups or individuals will go in and entosis and create sovereignty timers with zero intention of following up on them. You just want to be pinging the enemy and creating those timers because everyone is a potential opportunity to make gains. Um, and so I wanted to see like how frequent are timers being generated. That's also why ADMs are a huge deal. Um, in this particular case, the fight in Yumi happened on the 22nd, and I'm trying to see if there was anything in UMI on the 22nd, and I'm not seeing anything. Alrighty. Um, the only other thought would be is if it's in another constellation that UMI is in. Yeah, that is entirely possible as well. Let me look up the Yumi constellation and search that. Alrighty. But yeah, a lot of this stuff, like, it's a lot, it's easier to capture it when it happens live, but trying to find it Going backwards is super difficult. 
But uh, a lot of these tools that players have done, so for example, Dotland, and I think you were on Timer Board, those are both um, done by players. Uh, so like they're tools, third-party tools done by players, which allows folks like us to go back and kind of see the historical perspective. Yeah, this website in particular isn't Timerboard, it's fleetcom.space. Um, I think okay. most people use this for its Intel, which is like a, a D-scan tool, but it also has a fantastic BR tool, and in this case, it is the only tool I found with a really great history of sovereignty timers. Lots of places like Timerboard will show you active, but not what does the history look like. And yeah, again, the, there hasn't been a single reinforced structure in the constellation with UMI. That's so weird then. Why would they randomly fight there? That's it. That's interesting. It is on the border between Tribute and Pureblind. So if, oh, you know what it could have been? A jump bridge. That's a good call because fighting over jump bridges in Solve Warfare is really important to um, either aid or hinder your, in, um, your enemy or yourself or your enemy. Indeed. And if memory serves, I know Fraternity has a jump bridge here in D7T. I think this is where um, big structures were dropped earlier in the year. And so people saw like the writing of the wall of an invasion of tribute pure blind by Fraternity. They saw it coming. They were preparing for it. And so if they were trying to disable that jump bridge to give Fraternity quick passage over to pure blind, that would be important. That's actually something, there was a recent interview on Pando's FC chat with Pando and you had uh, Noros from Fraternity as well as Dunk Dinkle from Brave and they were talking about the war. And one of the things Noros pointed out is Fraternity is just literally staging from their home systems. They don't need to move to a forward offensive staging system in order to attack these regions because they live next door and can just go very, very quickly through the jump bridge network. Yeah, jump bridges allow space to become much smaller. Sometimes it can be really good, obviously, if you want to help your friends or help your own space. But here it's shown how oppressive it can be, too, where, you know, you have all these regions and people at war, but they are so easily able to move back and forth um, between different fronts. And curiously enough, the only jump bridges that seem to be dying are ones out in test space in Outer Passage. They've also recently lost a constellation of uh, sovereignty as well, if we want to talk about that once we're done with Brave. Yeah, we can do that. There's a quick question in the chat. What is the range on a jump bridge? I think it's five light years, is it not? I have no idea, but that would make sense to me. Does it say? You might, we might have to open it in-game. I can go do that. Awesome. Yeah, you go ahead and do that. I will mention a little bit of the history of jump bridges. It was super contentious when they first came out as flex structures, so sort of coming into the ecosystem of upwell structures, because they're allowed to jump capitals. Not supers, but capitals are allowed to jump through them. And everybody was going crazy, like, that's going to be insane, it's going to allow way too much movement of these ships, which were previously limited by jump fatigue. Um, and CCP was like, hold on, guys, don't worry, they're going to have a huge cost for liquid ozone, which is the fuel that these jump bridges, or jump gates, use every time a ship goes through them. And so, uh, as it turns out, they were right, pretty much nobody goes through jump gates with capitals to my knowledge and there's there's lots of whinging in in various slack and discord channels whenever somebody jumps a ratting carrier through a jump gate i always think it's funny because 
Um, I know my alliance, we don't have a lot of folks, so when we need to take them for whatever reason, um, we always do it at the discretion of the FC, and he's like, don't worry, I'll handle all the Diplo incidents, because sure enough, there's always like a logistics guy who sees our entire group taking the jump gates in these massive ships, and then they get super mad, because when they're not fueled, if they don't have ozone, you can't use them, and that's super critical, because not everyone can give it ozone. So it becomes like this logistic nightmare when they're used so much and it can be used to to your benefit or to your detriment for a lot of things. Yeah, the one the one quality of life with the jump gates is that you can set up a tax on them. So depending on the mass of the ship jumping through, you can set a certain cost. And so many groups will just do that to offset at least the price of refueling that liquid ozone. But it's still a lot of manual work for your industry team to go around and do it. There is a great point from Skyhawk in chat, which is that they recently changed it so that anyone can cargo drop liquid ozone. So you don't need, yeah, you don't need permissions anymore. Oh, that's good then. Also, it is five light years. Awesome. That is still the same as Titan Bridge range as well, right? Oh, I have no idea. You're asking me all the super hard questions. You're a super elite null psych PvP, aren't you, Rain? I do Logi, like the healer Logi. That's it. Everything else, I don't randomly fly my caps around. Um, I just rely on the smart people with their titans to tell me what to do. I mean, listen, the healer logi are the ones who allow the people with their titans to play the game. So you are more than welcome in any fleet, and we appreciate your skills. Thank you. I say this as another healer logi. So I am, I am equal parts patting myself on the back here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they make the world go around. If only they could get on Killmail's CCP, please. Uh, don't get us down that train of, of things that were promised at FanFest. I know. All right, let's talk quickly about Test, I think. Um, I guess to, to wrap up the situation up north, it is a battle of attrition. There's lots of talk about troll toasting, about maintaining ADM. Of course, they're going to be cloaky campers over there. And likely what you're going to see going forward is battle reports and memes and propaganda until something meaningful happens. So far, as far as I can tell, there hasn't been a meaningful structure or iHub or like a strategic victory that has occurred, but those aren't necessarily as important in EVE anymore, uh, just because of the way that the player base works, especially in a war during the summer. If a group loses morale, it is very easy for your members to choose, well, I'm just going to go outside instead of sitting inside and playing Eve. So it, it can spiral out of control pretty quickly. So you're saying when Tess lost stuff in Outer Passage, it's all it's all TCUs, right? No, they lost iHubs as well. Okay, because I was going to say, iHubs are... A lot of people will hit TCUs and they're like, Teehee, you lost your TCU, but everyone knows TCUs are essentially worthless in the game right now. iHubs is where everything matters. That's what allows for upgrading infrastructure, EDMs, etc. So losing iHubs is not good. Uh, listen, human, yes, people going outside is spiraling out of control. Like, who touches grass, honestly? Thought we were all we, gamers here. We were just talking about how it's like 100 degrees in like 90% of the United States. So going outside sounds like a very bad idea right now. We should stay inside and go bash Test Alliance uh, soft structures. They are participating in the war up north. They are on the, on the path excuse me, on the side of fraternity. Um, and so they, they lost a few structures back home. This is a constellation adjacent to Cash and the Spire. Um, I 
don't recall much about the geopolitics in this area anymore. It has changed since I last cared. Do you have any knowledge since you live sort of up in this North Joan region's area? Yeah, so I know Tess is allied with Panfam, um, but I don't think Panfam's doing anything to either attack or defend Tess currently. A lot of a lot of Panfam cells say NC.PL and then I think a Horde SIG all move south to fight the Southern War against Imperium and to help defend fire. And I think as a result, um, we're obviously not going north and helping Tess, but I also don't know if Tess has been actively defending things. So I'm not sure who is taking their, their iHubs. So far, the iHubs have not been replaced, um, but it looks like the iHubs died back in the middle of this week on the 19th, and the TCUs died a few days later. That's interesting. So I wonder if the people trying to harass Tess are just doing it for fights rather than trying to claim Sov or kick them out. And then as a result, when Tess not fighting, because they're obviously with fraternity in the war further northwest, um, they're just kind of destroying them to kind of make a, make their point known. I mean, they took out an ADM 5.8 system, an ADM 4.5. Like, that's that's some dedication to your troll toasting. And that's also, like, very much the Alliance was distracted to not come and be able to defend that. For those unfamiliar, the higher the ADM, the longer it takes for you to entosis. Um, and I think it also impacts how the Defender stuff auto-regens when it comes around to the, the Constellation and the node spawning, but I forget the exact mechanics there. Yeah, and if I think if you have a high ADM system, you can only place like large or above structures, but if you remove those ADMs, you can place medium. So, so that's usually a good strategy if you're trying to break into like an area to try and invade or, or whatnot. I'm not quite sure... Like, I don't know, since I we don't know who's doing it, I'm not really sure, like, to figure out what their motive is. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost, almost, like, willing to say it's a, a sale or a, a voluntary transfer, but then wouldn't you just self-destruct the, the structures yeah. instead of having to, to entosis them? Because literally the entire constellation was taken out in a single day for all the iHubs. So it seems strange to me that that would be possible to happen, but... This is Eve 2022. The Matani has just resigned. Strange things happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm not sure if we, have, if we have anyone in chat who knows or if somebody in test wants to come forward with, like, what they're doing, that, that would help. All right, swinging further down the map, uh, down into the, what would this be, the southeastern corner. This is the war between Fireco and uh, the Imperium and RMC. And it is where a lot of the sovereignty action is happening. If we head back to our handy-dandy uh, fleetcom.space timer history here, you can see most of the iHubs that are dying are flipping back and forth in Tenerifis and in Faith Abolis. So if you're looking, if you're looking to get in on some, some SOV warfare where fleets are going to be out and about, this is a good way or a good place to look for it. Yeah, there's been um a lot of back and forth. I know, I know, like uh, obviously my alliance is down there, so we're getting fights, some more than others. Um, but yeah, this is where if you want to be at least in on action or in on war, um, you're definitely needed, whether regardless of what side you're on. Um, so I think I think this is probably, I mean, this war and then the war in the north, I think have been pretty interesting, because you have sort of these two things going on, but you only have three large coalitions in the game. So it feels like everyone's kind of invested in it, so it's been pretty fun to watch. Speaking of fun to watch, there was a video posted today of a 
a fleet of Stormbringers and Jamgoos that were flying around in this area. So in um, the southeast of the map, some of it in the, the Fire Coast space, some of it in Great Wildlands, like this first fight here. And it is phenomenal to watch. It's just real time, including comms from the FC. And you hear how they're working on calling all of their support ships. There are times when they're coordinating with void bombers to turn off the hardeners and the prop mods on enemy ships. And they just do amazingly well. So if you're into fleet fights at all, I typically don't enjoy watching fleet fights anymore. This one was a joy to watch. Yes, Enigmatabox, it is Stormbringers. And what's special about them is they use the weapon system. They're an Eden Comm ship. And the way that it works is it's a hybrid of a turret and a missile. So it's it really gets screwed on its application. But when you hit something, your damage then bounces to other ships. You can see it right here on stream, all those little black sort of bouncing off. It's because they're shooting somebody in the center of the ball with the Stormbringers and it's bouncing out. That can be dangerous if you're anchored too close to friendlies and so you can shoot your own team, sort of like with smart bombs, but it can be incredibly effective at just doing lots of damage across an entire fleet and whittling them down. Yeah, it's also really good to help clear drones. Do you, which group was this fleet in? Do you know? You know what? I did not even look that up. I was too impressed watching them fly. Yeah, that's impressive though. I will I will try and Google some names a little bit later so I can credit them appropriately in the in the show notes. But you've got their their YouTube channel down here, Amelia Dusk Space, and uh, we'll post the the link to the video as well. Yeah, Amelia is part of the group that does a lot of small gang stuff, so. I did hear Bjorn, Ble Bjorn B doing some FCing as a backup FC in one of the fights as well, so that was nice. pretty cool. Yeah, Bjorn's a good lad. He also, I mean, he runs his own fleet, so I wonder if, I don't think that would be that part of this. No, certainly not. The, the level of coordination that's required to make this type of thing work, and if you listen to the comms, which we're not going to be doing right now, it is, it is very, very well coordinated. Yeah, because you mentioned um, Void Bombers, and I know, who is it, the skill you guys, so Capcoon friends, would um, are pretty good at bombing. They have Lucia now, too. She was one of my favorite bombing FCs. Oh, speaking of bombing, I, I don't know if this conversation is just going to be a dead end, but what happened to Bombers Bar? Are they still active? Yes, as far as I'm aware, they're still active. I think they did... Oh, was it in this last month, last two months? They did um, like a 24-hour fleet of Bombers Bar because of like celebrating their, what was it, like 10 years or something crazy like that? So as far as I know, they're definitely still active um, in-game, uh, still running fleets, still being super coordinated. Yeah, so there's their Discord. Yeah, if, you like, if you like the bombing stuff, definitely check them out. They're pretty good. They do uh -huh. like hunting, hot drops, bombing, any, any sort of thing like that. I forgot they even do Obamacare. Care. Where they'll, they'll SRP your bomber, so it's like super, super good to get into. If you're even if you're a new player and you struggle to replace your ships in PvP, you can still do it with this, which is awesome. Yeah, it's worth throwing out there that um, bombers are really easy for new players to get into because it's just one frigate five, and then like, gosh, I forget the skill like cloaking five or something. Not cloaking five, like the bomber skill at five. And so it's actually super easy to get into um, into bombers. I know that was like the one of the first ships I could fly as a brand new character was I had like maybe some cruiser skills, but then I got into a bomber and it was so much fun flying around with friends, dropping on people. 
Absolutely. During my during my time in Noir, that would be the things that we tell players to skill first: an interceptor and a stealth bomber, because they are useful for hunting. They are useful for bombing runs. They are useful for scouting. They are useful for tackling. It is just there are so many varied uses, and then they're also incredibly cheap. So a newer player can more than likely replace them. Yeah, highly recommend for anyone looking to get into things, especially if you don't have an alliance that does bomber stuff, or you want, or maybe you do, but you want to try something different and new. Bomber's bar is definitely worth it. They even have training videos. This is awesome. Yeah. All right, I apologize for the tangent, but I think it was worthwhile for the audience. Let's move from nullsec into wormhole space. Do you think? Yeah, let's do that. You want to introduce this one? Yeah, so there was um, a wormhole eviction attempt. So I feel I feel like this is like our 20th week talking about wormhole evictions. So um, a wormhole group consisting of seriously suspicious and friends were attacked by Parabellum, who are going for an eviction attempt. With seriously suspicious calling for some backup from some friends in the wormhole community and the attackers following them by calling in more support. What occurred over the weekend? So let me look at your... So you have Parabellum on the left. So they would be the defenders. No, they were attacked by Parabellum. So Parabellum are the attackers on the left. And then you have folks on the right who are defending. So you have Seriously Suspicious. It was their wormhole. And then they obviously called in a bunch of friends. And then the guys on the... The attackers on the left called in a bunch of friends. So you have, what, 200 versus 200 or something crazy? Yeah, 400. Up being, yeah. So apparently That's the so story... Many. The story goes, when it came time for the final timer, the wormhole had a null sec static, and it was very near or literally inside of goon staging. So they just pinged goons, and they brought over a Kiki fleet. Um, so that's why there's goon swarm here. It was just luck of the draw with the static, and the defenders happened to get whole control at the time. I think it's more impressive that the fact that you could have like 600 people in a wormhole and not have it like crash the system. Like, I'm, this is I think true. I'm, more, I'm more impressed by that because wormholes aren't really known for having massive fights. So when you get tons of folks in there, or even just like a couple hundred folks, all pressing their buttons, all multi-boxing, you can create tie-dye and things slowing down and whatnot. Uh, the, the first eviction of Brave's wormhole group, Spoopy Newbies, I think it was. Or maybe it was the precursor to Spoopy Newbies. There was some new bro wormhole group that had an eviction attempt on them. And they just like opened up the hole. They said, we don't care who you are. If you're here to defend us or just get on the kill mills, everyone's welcome. And I went in there to try and defend. And it was a nightmare. Um, I've been in plenty of tie-dye fast nullsec fights before. But in wormhole space, just it was not prepared for that sort of, for that sort of combat. Yeah, that's, that's insane. So in this situation with the eviction attempt, the, uh, the defenders won. So obviously not evicted, um, as it's saying here. So we obviously have the Goon Swarm fleet, but also Bomber's Bar apparently showed up, as we were just talking about. And then, um, yeah, so there's there's also a, a Reddit link. I'll actually link the Reddit because I think this is an AAR. It is. And a very well-written one with lots of links to video, which are really cool to watch, as well as to individual battle reports for the different fights. So this one that we are looking at now on stream is for overall the whole campaign. So it's through different days, um, and that one was, uh, and it's, it's all combined, but there were multiple fights that happened over the course of these days. So overall, 200 bill lost, over 800 pilots involved, but individual fights took place that were also just really cool. Um, in particular, what I'm excited about 
are the Marauder fights, because Marauders are expensive, and they're also incredibly impactful. And here we got to see just balls of Marauders going at each other. Um, in Wormhole Space in particular, the meta tends to be very heavily armor-tanked Paladins, and you'll want to have an expensive pod with... I forget the name of the the wormhole spet now. Amulets? Amulets, yes. They used to be slaves, but they're not slaves anymore. Um, and so you'll get like 450k EHP on your Marauder. That's how you're able to take a Marauder and put it in Bastion on a fleet fight grid and expect to get out of Bastion in time to receive rets. Super, yeah, it's super intense. It's also worth pointing out, wormholers generally are quote-unquote more skilled than like your casual nullsec F1 like monkey and that's because they have to do so much within a wormhole so it's worth pointing out now a lot of these fits are more complex and people are expected to kind of use their brains instead of just following like just pressing f1 and following whatever their fc says so it creates a lot more interesting fights because obviously there's a lot of coordination a lot of uh pressure on each individual pilot and it becomes like really intense but super fun to watch and to do yeah so this first fight it was the Marauder Blob. Wonderful to see the video. Hilarious to see a double shield boost golem just not get shit or shot at all during the fight. And then we had the second one, which was the big one where the goons came. And this one was over the final timer on the Fortizar. It was actually before the final timer. But they were trying to maintain hole control, let Goon Swarm get in with their fleet. And again, we had an even larger blob of Marauders here. But there's also a video of that. And the interesting part about this video, to your point about skill, is you can see the defenders are in a Cerberus fleet flying around. And if you watch the white blob, you will see a little white ship going in circles. And I'll try and find a good angle. Following them. And it's a nester that was smart bombing to firewall off and destroy the missiles. There you can see it right there destroy the missiles from the Cerberuses so they couldn't make it through their flight path and hit a target Marauder. Yeah, that's really smart. That's also, like, really skilled and difficult to do, so just even attempting that is, like, impressive on its own. I think the last time that was meta would have been back when Drakes were in meta, right? So we're talking almost a, a decade ago now? Yeah, and I've seen it once or twice, so I saw it, I remember the lead-up to World War B1, I saw it there, I'm like, why are they smart bombing? And they're like, oh, that's called firewalling. And then, I mean, you see it in tournaments too, but then the second time was uh, in 2019, they were like, we can firewall the missiles and protect our Lodgy, and it definitely didn't work while we were fighting GOTG in the north. But yeah, it's this is impressive to see. Fun my times. Cat, my cat says hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited for all this news of the wormhole stuff. It's always great to see wormhole space active and, and whatnot. As long as, as long as the groups aren't actually evicted. Successful defenses? Fantastic. Evictions that lead to the group leaving wormhole space? Not so, not so great. Yeah, that's also very true. But you do get good fights out of evictions, so there's that. Yeah, in wormhole space with no asset safety, evictions, everything is on the line, so people are going to show up to defend. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to cover with this, this eviction attempt? No, I think reading through the AAR, watch the videos, it's some quality content. Even if you're not normally into wormhole-like politics and stuff, you, you don't need to be invested in these groups to enjoy the story and to enjoy the battle reports in the videos. Alrighty, awesome. So let's say we can transition to, like, kind of our last, what is it, player news? 
which is something I kind of, I saw this morning and I was peak sad. So this is Sam Fox. Um, I've known Sam since like 2016. He's a good friend. Uh, Obviously flying around low sex space, PVPing, probably at a Plex. Oh, the show's at the star. I don't know if he, but it's off the star. Yeah. So 1.4 AU. So he's probably at like a a novice or a a small complex. And then uh, obviously somebody came in, uh, baited him, webbed him down. And then you had a couple, then you had the Astero and then what looks like a daredevil also come in. And obviously a Chromos is very squishy. If you look, he doesn't even have any tank. Well, okay. He has a little bit of tank, but not really tank. They're more known for um, kiting out and trying to dodge damage that way. Obviously did not work for him um, with the webs. And then um, the Astero, which probably had double scram or no, not double scram. That's only if you're tackling big stuff. So scram and then a, a bunch of webs as well. And then obviously Frederick Von Hull coming in and just blasting him with the daredevil. Yeah, so what, what's special about this being a Kromos? Oh yeah, Kromoses are unique ships. Only 50 of them will ever exist in the game. Um, a prize from Alliance Tournament 13. No, 11, which was in 2013. You can see a lot of people love flying them and a lot of people love losing them. It's kind of hilarious. They are a menace in faction warfare space where the, the type of ship you can bring into areas, into those faction warfare complexes, is limited. Especially back when, like, cloaking outside of the button was more possible. Just, you'd have a bait ship inside, and then a Kromos would decloak on you. And it would be fun, because, you know, you died to an HT ship. But also, like, okay, that was a waste of a ship. Goodbye 30 minutes of my life. Yes. And they're, they're extremely strong. Obviously, like, super broken. So if you ever get the chance to fly one, I highly advise you to practice somewhere, like, on CC before you go out and fly. And then Von Hole. So Von Hole's really smart if you look at the character. So you look at the character that's a pod. So what Von Hole will do, and like I feel like everyone should know this, so I apologize if this is the first time you're hearing of it. What you should do, what Von Hole does is he creates a new character, has them fly around to pretend to be like, oh, teehee, guys, I'm a newbie. I don't know what I'm doing. Ha ha. And then like usually they talk smack and local, and then they try to fight you. And maybe you lose a few times, or they lose a few times, so then you like get more confident, like, oh, yeah, I can beat this guy. And then you go to kill them, and that's usually, it's almost always webs, so they'll scram you, web you, and then they just hold you down, and then that's when Von Hole brings friends. And it could be him triple boxing, it could be just him and a bunch of friends, because he does have a group that they all go in and, and kill stuff together. And that's usually how he gets folks. It's a notorious tactic by him. Um, so whenever you're using your AT ship, just know Von Hole's probably attempting to hunt you. And the, the crazy part about this Condor fit, I always love seeing what sort of stuff Von Hull comes up with to catch specific ships, because he theorycrafts everyone specific to the target. And in this case, it was a Condor with a medium abyssal armor plate. So this is a, a frigate, which typically you would expect a, a small armor plate on there with a medium. And if memory serves, mediums are like the 800 milliliter, millimeter plates. That's the one that makes the medium, right? Somebody correct me if I'm I, wrong in the chat. I would please. assume so, yes. Given that I'm seeing them lost on a VEDMAC, either that VEDMAC was very poorly fit, or it is indeed the 800 millimeters. Yeah, so he brick tanked this Condor, had him just ram and catch, catch Sam, and then he brought in his friends. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, so Sam's notorious because he's lost another Kromos before. I believe it was back in 2016, 2017. He um he lost one and the comment was 
So I was in Amamake Police then, which that's how I know Sam. And it was, hey, guys, Waffles is moving in. Please do not undock your AT ships. And Sam's like, oh, look, a thorax. I can kill that. And he could not. And he got blobbed by Waffles and died. Oh, no. Waffles is, is Waffles dead now? I think Waffles is dead, aren't they? Yeah, I always make the comment that groups go to Horde to die. And that's exactly what Waffles did. So I think usually they come back like they get a fresh of like uh, a breath of life during the alliance tournament because then they'll like try and run an alliance tournament team but usually then after that they're not really active anymore i'm about to lose patience trying to find this other kermos loss just scrolling through the lost mails because this is a properly active pvp -er. they do yes. die even though they're good at the game yeah no Sam, sam's a good lad um i highly recommend if you see him in local like ask him for a 1v1 he'll honor it and like he's usually wanted to give good fights at the end all right that's it i'm giving up let's move on <laughs> no it's all good yeah so yep there's the chromos oh i it's worth throwing out there i did say chromos is only 50 exists in the game ccp has said they'll re-release at ships but um this one is from at 11 so it has like the symbol on it so if they do release chromoses again it'll probably have some sort of distinction of like old chromos versus new chromos so these ones are still super rare all right so that was, I mean, that was it for, like, player news. We can go into gaming news. So this is stuff C CCP has been doing that folks may not have heard about. Yeah, the latest... This... Go ahead. Yeah, oh, yeah, you are on it already. Okay, I was going to say, the latest one is the asteroid belts. So for those who don't know, if you're one of those folks in Nullsec, I've never done this, where they're like, oh, man, all these gate rats, I hate them, blah, blah, blah. We're like, there's 15 of them on a gate, and they just murder you and insta-lock you. CCP finally has a solution. They're creating desolate asteroid belts. So asteroid belts that have no minerals, but the rats should generally go there and just kind of hang out. So if you're one of those folks who likes to, what is it, like mine, like hunting or no, farming officer mods. So you need officer rats, which only spawn in asteroid belts. Then you should be able to hopefully find some here. And hopefully this helps clear out gates so players can do gate camps or not die instantly if they're not insta-warping. Just a, a cool quality of life change. It could get farmed and abused, it could just have its intended effects and be generally a good thing, but it's definitely CCP listening to feedback of the players about this particular pain point. Yeah, and I believe it's actually, okay, it is on CC, so go out to CC, try it out, like, I don't know, go fly around Nullsec and pretend like you get mad at things or something, and then, um, yeah, give, definitely give um, feedback to CCP, obviously that's CCP Kestrel or Suetonia as we used to know him. They, they, um, Artemis is showing the thread, so you can actually go out and like comment on the thread too if you have feedback instead of messaging him. Indeed. Yeah, I feel like that's a super good like change. Everyone's gonna be so ecstatic for that. Community beat is what you're doing next. Yeah, we're gonna go to the community beat. I feel like we're so that was on like the fifteenth. All right, we had Liberation Day, but I believe Liberation Day is done. So that was the Mimitar event. Um, but there are others Who that are won? coming. Wait a minute. Did, did we have a winner for Liberation Day? Wasn't it a competition? I have no idea. Oh, wait. The system of Paytor? No. It did not say, actually, who won. We, surely we have a Mimitar role player in the chat who can tell us who won Liberation Day this year. If it was indeed a competition. I just know I was logging in, and there's always that sidebar where it's like, hey, choose your side. Tibbs says it was Thucker this year. All right, thank you, Tib. I'm gonna trust Tib on this. I mean, I would. He's been subscribed for like 18 months. Seems there's no way. To me. There's no way he would lie about this. 
Yeah, so Liberation Day. We've had Galente Day already. So Liberation Day was Mimitar. We've had Galente already. I think we're coming up on either Amar or Kaldari next. Yeah, before we get too far, uh, Art Gravy in chat says they were the first place winner of the Cruiser event. They aren't a subscriber, but they have taken the Good Luck Have Fun pledge, so I think they're trustworthy. I think we can congra congratulate them. Yeah, Art Gravy is also a streamer, too. Streamers never lie. Of course not. And then, um, what was next? Discourse, State Board, Edom. Oh, yeah. So I know we were talking a bit after the FanFest announcement. So the CCP kind of like world building the lore. This is, they're still continuing that. So if you're trying to pay attention to what's coming up next, um, keep paying attention to some of these, um, what is it? Discourse or maybe the polls. What's the big, oh, the, the scope, scope videos. Yeah, scope videos. Keep focused on those. Those are, um, hinting a lot at the lore i think the latest one this one covers the um the strange structure i think it was out in kaldari space and everyone's like fighting over it we had um who did we have on to talk about that we had someone on to talk about that previously and they shared a lot of information around like why it's important and how it's going to hint at things i i do think it's a testament to the quality of product that the discourse points out that we like put them up there with the scope and with the pulse because it's it's not ccp the discourse is run by players, and this is like a fan-made thing, but it is just so incredibly high quality with deep lore cuts that it's, it's worth looking at as entertainment and information. I had no idea it was player- you're right, it is player-made. Because it's always the voice of the lady- okay, yes. Cerulean and Elinari, okay. That, it is all player-made, but that's so cool though, how like, I would have had no idea had you not reminded me, holy cow. Yeah, they do a really fantastic job. Definitely worth subscribing to them, at the very least for the entertainment value. Yeah, for sure. Um, the next the next news piece, um, which is still relevant, by the way, is uh, EQ. So EQ is a streamer. He did a lot of stuff for Streamfleet, um, as well as even T. So anything of like running tournaments, he had a part in. And then also doing the um, world tour. He was the man behind the scenes. But he's, uh, he's really into music, and so now he's doing a, a beatbox parody or Breeze Blocks parody, <laughs> Eve Online parody. Singing into a Naglfar, as you do. Yeah, but it's it's hilarious. So <laughs> I love people who do like fun stuff like this, so definitely check him out. He um he continuously puts out music too, so if maybe you don't like parodies but you like music in general, he usually does like drum and bass or more like electronic music if you want to check him out there. I don't know, it looks like he's a fan of Kaldari. That might put some people off. He is actually, I think, in Kaldari Faction Warfare. So he does play the game. Oh, okay. Speaking of players playing the game, one of them lost a very expensive ship. Yeah, so the Cayman. So this, this fellow lost his Cayman. I believe it was sort of intended because he, uh, he said no one has lost a Cayman before, so he wanted to be the first. And I believe it was actually like snuffed out that dropped him, which is not a surprise at all. But, yeah, um, he was in a capital ship in Lone Trek. <laughs> what do you think is gonna happen? Yes, but uh, what's yeah, special so they, about the Cayman? So the Cayman's actually. Oh, let me make sure I got this. The Garista's Dreadnought. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure. Yep. Which is and why so, you see a drone damage amplifier in there. And it, yes, because it is Garista's, and even if it though it is a Dread, it still can use drones, which is or maybe it's fighters because it's a big one. Um, but yes, it can use those. You obviously can see the siege mo module missiles, like most uh, Garista ships. 
They've never been lost before. So this guy was like, I'm going to be the first. And he's the one and only loss. Okay, Ma- Mafia says they use fighters over drones. So yes. Oh, that's fantastic. All, all purple fit, fit, as you love to see. Yeah, as you should with your, with your pirate faction uh, dreadnought. I am disappointed. They did have some Dread Garistas and Garistas torpedoes in the cargo, but there was some Kaldari Navy in there. So, uh, I don't know. Feels bad, man. Are you looking for the roleplay aspect, or they need I all? I am. Like, they had fireblogs, too. Like, I guess, okay, the Garistas steal tech from other empires. Sure, they're stealing Kaldari Navy tech. Whatever. But, come on. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, this. I feel like this guy was like, I want to lose it, and so he finally was able to get dropped on and lost it. Alright, oh, and then the team security Q&A as well. This is something that you, you focused on or you wanted to specifically talk about, I think. Yeah, so team security, so this was more around botting and RMT. So they hosted a live Q&A, um, I believe it was on their Discord, but I, I want to say it was also streamed uh, earlier this week. It was obviously during a time when I'm I'm not around because uh, I have a day job. Excuse me. Who? Yeah, they talked a lot about uh, um, botting, botting attempts, how to catch them, and stuff like that. Like how many people, you know, they're banning or accounts they're banning. A lot of what they talk about too. Oh yeah, you're showing. Yeah, so this is the After Effect Dev blog. But a lot of what they talk about is how they're able to detect. Like one of the big things they talk about is when you automatically create accounts. Right, so if you're going to be a multi-boxer or you're doing, uh, what is it, skill point farming, obviously you have to create a lot of accounts. It becomes tedious. Well, when you have malicious actors who want to bot an RMT, they use tools to be able to automatically generate those accounts to kind of avoid that tediousness. And they can actually detect that and ban them right away. So a lot of times, folks are banned before they even get into the game. So when they talk about, I think the number was like 70,000. It was like an outrageously high number of like banning. That was like well before like people even made it into the game. But then they focus on things like RMTing, um, botting within the game. So you're, I know a lot of folks are like, oh my gosh, they just use, they press the button on the drones and then they warp off instantly. How would we ever know? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and stuff like that. And then, and so I, like obviously people make bot reports and this is kind of how they catch them. They obviously don't share all their secrets because otherwise that just helps bot, bot creators or bot users kind of learn and get around it. But yeah, and then um, there's a lot of, I feel like there's always a lot of accusations of RMT. So they had kind of talked about like RMT. Uh, oh yeah, and here they're talking about hacking. Yeah, hacking and RMT. So those feed into each other. So if you play the game, don't RMT. RMTing just hurts innocent players. And then whoever you are, whatever account you have, make sure you have two, two-factor two authentication on your EVE Online account and two-factor authentication on the email you use. Because what happens Without a doubt, is you, you always have these people who are like, oh, I'm going to click on the stupid-ass phishing attempt on Discord because I'm an idiot. And then they do that, and then someone gets access to your accounts, and then they're able to trace that. And eventually, you're going to lose access to your email if you're the idiot who's just clicking on buttons or downloading things or whatever. And when you lose access to your email, the hackers go through and see everything you subscribe to, and then they can sell it. So they'll say, hey, this guy had an EVE Online account. Here are all of his EVE Online accounts. I'm going to sell this to someone. That person buys it. They get into your EVE Online account because they know how EVE works. They strip everything of it and sell it all. And then it's impossible to get back. So what ends up happening is when you say, hey, CCP, I was hacked. They lock your account and then they do a backtrace of everything that you have done, right? So you say, hey, I last logged in Monday. It's now Wednesday. 
um, somebody hacked my account. I have nothing. They ban your account on Wednesday, and then they have to do like what 72, 48 hours, 72 hours worth of investigating of what was stripped, what was taken away, where did it go? Because if it all went to one person, they're able to say, okay, this one person either it was a legitimate sale and they didn't realize, or you have to go all the way back through and figure out, okay, how do we get this person their ISK back, their skill points back, etc. Two step. Two step of secure account lock you out of everything in your life. That's why you have those like hard codes if you ever lose them. But yeah, you should definitely use two-factor authentication. That's why you always have it on your phone, have a backup on, on your phone. Make sure that backup's secure. Do what I do. All my passwords are saved on my computer. Cannot be accessed online. Um, you have to have a password to get into my passwords. I don't know all my passwords. So like it's it's crazy. So that's what a lot of CCP pushes for is protect your stuff. Don't participate in RMT because when you participate in RMT, it encourages people to hack accounts and strip them of everything to try and sell to you as a player. It also encourages people to bot. So don't participate. Don't do it. And then if obviously if you know of it or you suspect, like you can make a report. CCP investigates all the reports. They don't make any judgments on a report alone. So like even if you're like, hey, this guy told me to RMT to him, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you can't, like, they just don't go off of that. They have to validate it through the in-game stuff and all this and that. So you'll be fine even if your report's wrong. Yeah, I think they mentioned something about how that reporting system worked here, but I can't find it anymore. The active player count of TIS. We don't have any active players, Alien. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I find that stuff super interesting because I just like learning about it. Indeed. Plus, it's it's always something where it a lot of players are angry about it. The accusations get thrown out whenever there's a war. We saw them, of course, when this recent war broke out between Fraternity and the other groups up in the north. So it's lovely to see a report on what's actually being done there. Because it's, it's super disheartening if you're flying around trying to hunt people and they're all flying away and you're like, oh, it's just bots. Dead game. So it's it's nice to see that that is not true to a certain extent. Yeah, for sure. All right, and that is the end of the the most recent community spotlight. Do we do we have any information about the solo Titan kill? Assuming this oh, is the yeah. one about about the shadows. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the story, but let me pull up the kill mail. All right, I think I mm, I remember hearing about this. So it was like a super flying around, and he has shadows. So for those who don't know, shadows are a type of fighter which are like literally never used because one, they're difficult to get. Two, they're also really kind of buggy. And three, when you use them, they die. So shadows are like, um, call them like a suicide bomber, a kamikaze, whatever you want to call them. When you go and use them, they just explode. And I believe, I feel like I'm going to say this wrong, but I think a flight of shadows is like the same as a Titan's Doomsday. I want to say that, but I feel like that's extremely wrong. So maybe I won't say that. There's a Reddit post. I don't read Reddit. But yeah, so what you have here is a hyper reg. So hyper meaning as like the hyperspatials that can move fast, etc. Nick's got baiting lost shadows and solo to hyper reg. Yeah. So when he got caught, so this Titan thinks, oh, I'm just going to DD this Nyx and then fly off super easy, right? XD, no. The Nyx got him, launched shadows, self-destructed on the reg. And of course, the reg has zero tank. So even though it has just natural EHP, did not last. And uh, the Nyx managed to solo him, which is like extremely just impressive on its own. One shadow is a Titan Doomsday. All right, sweet. So I wasn't too crazy thinking about that. So the Nyx did die. The the poor soul did die, but he did not die but on his own. He took down a Ragnarok with him, which is super impressive in my opinion. Literally came out isk positive. Yeah. 
And like, not many people can say that when they lose their lose their capitals. Like, hey, I died, but at least I'm as positive. And then, I don't know how the shadows show up on the kill mail because, like, I don't even think I've seen them in the game before ever. But yeah, uh, yeah. So like, they oh yeah, because they're Sancha, so they got the spikes on them. So which obviously means they're hard to get because you got to do the, the incursions for them. But yeah, they're they're quite they're quite hilarious. I always troll my um my super cap FCs by saying I have shadows. Good stuff. I think the last thing we want to talk about, there are a couple of in-game events. Um, and, oh, no, no, there was this addressing yeah. community safety dev blog. Yeah, so CCP, realizing the past couple weeks of, uh, I don't know if you'd, what would you call it, like, allegations, drama, like, startling revelations within the EVE community. CCP finally realized, like, dang, maybe we should actually do something about that. And I'm going to be really critical of CCP about this because I have made reports before and they have told me good luck. So CCP is finally really realizing that, gee, maybe things that happen outside of the game, including live events or on, you know, like EVE Online discords and stuff like that, like maybe they should take it seriously. And now they're actually kind of looking internally to revamp some of their, their policies. A lot of this, what they're... Um, what this post talks about is a lot of it's a real reminder. Like they've always said no in-game threats or no out-of-game threats in-game, right? Like they've always reported that. But now they're looking more into, okay, so we make we have people who make these comments. How far do they have to go before we finally ban them? And should we ban them from real-life meetups, right? Because what you have, you have people in the game who say something really atrocious, like, like threatening murder and stuff like that. And CCP is like, okay, well, you're banned from the game. Well, then now they may take the extra step and ban them from real-life meetups because obviously you don't want people making threats at your meetups. I say this knowingly as an American. I know not everyone here is an American, but if you ever look at some of the stuff that happens in America, you would totally understand why, especially with a lot of the latest revelations coming to light of non-game things. So it's a, it's a very serious um, situation, usually by all parties involved, and CCP is now having to take a more active step in the process. I also think um, CCP is also realizing that maybe they, they have a lot of tools at their disposal. And I think now they're maybe realizing that they should use it for more than what they have been. So I know CCP does really, really good, like if a player reports self-harm. So if I'm in local and someone's like, oh, I hate my life, I'm going to go like jump in a bathtub with a toaster or something, I could report that to CCP. <clears throat> I, as a player, can't do anything beyond that, right? I don't have the tools. But CCP has tools where they could maybe potentially reach out to make sure that player is okay. And now they're trying to look at it to say, okay, well, now maybe the opposite. The, what I'm picking up is maybe the opposite. Like, if players are threatening to hurt another, then maybe they should also reach out just in case to see, like, hey, is that person okay? Is everyone, is, you know... Are they truly a danger? Is this, you know, something said in anger? Are they truly a danger to others? And I think CCP is also going a step further because now they're saying that they're not, they've made it very clear how they're not supporting someone, right? So obviously you can't be a CCP partner. That's like, that's who cares. You can't go to like meetups. You can't, then you can't do tournament stuff either. And then CCP is also going a few steps further to say, and not only that, but if you as a player are running a player organized event, and you are sheltering individuals who do stuff like this, then CCP is going to withdraw support from there too. Now, there's a lot of questions around how does that look, right? Because like I run a player organized events. I don't have anyone's real life name who goes to that event. I don't want to collect their real life name. I'll collect their in-game name just for like, you know, badge purposes, but I'm not collecting their real life information. And then, but like CCP has everyone's real life information, right? Assuming you're paying with a credit card or something like that at some point, it's on your account. So how is CCP going to reconcile those? Because I don't want CCP sending me people's real life names to validate from my meetup.
but I don't know if they're asking me to send them people's real life names, which I'm not going to do. So I'm not quite sure like how this will look. I know a lot of, there's a lot of talk with the folks at eVegas. Um, they've been reaching out to CCP to ask, you know, to kind of get clarity. But yeah, if you have any concerns, file a GM ticket. Or if you have something more pressing, you can do the email, which is communityteam at ccpgames.com. Obviously, make it clear what you're trying to report. Um, any quote-unquote evidence, screenshots, recordings, whatever you may have, is super helpful. CCP like swatting. A, a feedback thread regarding like how this could look. Yeah, they're they're actively taking feedback. They don't have um I wanna say they're like evolving this, so it's not hundred percent set in stone, here's how we do things. But it's a good way to, you know, reach out, say like if you have concerns, if you have things like maybe you play another game or you have like another online community and you see how it's done there. Um, J4 Calls Calkins is saying swatting people. No, definitely not swatting. That's like the exact opposite of what anyone wants in this situation. Swatting is illegal. But yeah, so reach out. So the area of CCB Swift, obviously, community dev. Um, reach out with any feedback, thoughts, comments, etc. I know I've been giving feed CCP feedback kind of like in the background. I've been filing tickets for stuff and whatnot. Legally speaking, CCP can be can be liable for slander. You're talking about slander and libel. Those are different things. But yeah, I mean, that depends on how you look at the law, human. Like if you There's say, also hey, like different countries involved and ccp is is yeah different countries are involved this is not just in the united states that they're going to be applying this you remember fan fest happens in iceland there's stuff going throughout europe i think australia that, yeah, yeah not eve down under of course um I, in, in my opinion and take it with a grain of salt the the most important or the the thing i'm happiest about with this is the clarity it brings to consequences for action and the process involved because there are a lot of cases where you see people who just won't report things because either they're worried about retaliation or they're like why should i bother dragging up these bad memories why should i bother wasting my time if nothing is going to happen and so ccp taking a hard and public stance and saying no stuff is going to happen and here's how easy it is for you to start that process is hopefully going to bring a lot of things to light that previously just might not have had anything said about them. No, that's a good call. Sorry, I have a sum in my throat. I'm all raspy. Okay. And it says, is there any other gaming company policing their players like this? Yes, other gaming companies do way more than what CCP does. Other yeah. game companies, like Twitch, Twitch on its own, does way more than this. There's tons of game companies that do way more. And CCP is well behind on the curve. Like, sometimes other players are, like, shocked. Like, um... Actually, easiest example, you get a lot of these big streamers in the game, right? And they'll say, oh, somebody stream snipe me. And then CCP is like, okay, who cares? They're like, okay, they stream snipe me 20 times in the span of six hours. CCP is like, okay, who cares? It's part of the game. Other games, if you get caught or accused stream sniping, you're banned. You're banned from that game and you're banned on Twitch, no matter what. And so, like, CCP is very, very behind. And, like, now I'm a streamer. I'm not saying, oh, CCP should ban stream sniping. But there's very clearly a line, right, of, like, there's a difference between, oh, somebody's watching my stream for Intel and, oh, somebody's using my stream as an avenue to harass me. And so, and like, that's what CCP is trying to get on board on of defining actual harassment versus, you know, player conflicts. Like, oh, somebody had a gate camp and they killed you. Oh, somebody ganked you. Like, that's not what CCP is going after. They're going after like real life threats, real life harassments, 
ban evasion, right? So if I block you in the game and you come at me like through a different character, very clearly in game, that should be bannable. But now if you come at me through Discord, through Twitter, through Twitch, through Instagram, through Facebook, it's like, at what point do I have to prove like, hey, this is really fucking harassment? Like, can the developer who's like, this person's harassing me in the game, can you fucking do something? And that's what people are pissed about. Uh, yeah, my cat says hello. So a lot of people, cat, yes, sorry, that was my cat. But a lot of people are like, oh, this is so new. Like, no, CCP is behind. They are very behind. Go watch any other game. Like, go watch some big streamer streaming a game. And, like, you will see how well other games do at, like, policing their players and, like, making sure shit behavior stays out of the game. Like, pro tip, the fact that you can write slurs in the game is just, like, mind-blowingly stupid. Like, why Why do we have a game that you can write slurs in the game, right? If you go to, like, other games and you do that, it's either censors it all out or it's just like, oh, you get an insta-ban. Like, Twitch? Twitch for the longest time didn't have that. And now Twitch is finally figuring it out. And, like, I remember that because I had to go into my stream and ban the words themselves to make sure nobody could type them in my chat. So the fact that, like, the fact that CCP is super behind on this, huge issue. Huge issue. And this isn't like, this isn't like, oh, Eve has to be a safe space. Everyone should just love each other. Like, no, this is very clearly like things that get you fired from your job, you probably shouldn't be able to do in a game. Like real talk, that's how it is. Things that get the crap beat out of you if you scream it at a mall or in a movie theater probably should get you banned from the game. And it's not censorship. Censorship's from the government. It's not about being offended. It's about being a real person in a real world. Like, Sorry, but you harassing someone and telling them to kill themselves 200 times isn't like, oh, they're so offended. No, that's you being a piece of shit human being. Like, just just don't do bad behavior. Like, it's really easy. I really don't know why I'm, like, going on a tangent. Sorry, Artemis. Totally okay. I yeah. agree with every single word of it. Yeah. It's just, like, it's just, like, like real talk to a chat. Like, if you had to be told some of this stuff, I am so sorry. You need to grow up. It's the year of our Lord, 2022. Like, Grow a spine and do better. It is so easy. You notice how I can make insults and I just say idiot? Like, that's all you got to do. You want to insult someone, say idiot. If you're really mad at someone, say you're an effing idiot, right? You don't got to do anything mean. You don't got to make threats. You don't got to harass them. You don't got to do any of that stuff. And oftentimes when you're insulting somebody, they've made a big enough fool of themselves already. Yeah, for sure. So is Pappy an offensive word because you've seen it banned in multiple chats? All right, here's the thing. If you have a Twitch chat stream, right? So this is TIS's Twitch chat. If TIS bans words, regardless of how officially banned they are, right? So like, let's say TIS banned Pappy. And you continuously try to get around those blocks. That is you trying to avoid the rules that TIS Twitch chat has set in place. Therefore, if you're banned, who cares, right? Like you deserve it. Right, like, like, I do that, too. I ban a lot of offensive words, and people try to get around them. So you know what I do? I say, damn, dude, you're avoiding the chat block, so I'm going to kick you. That's that's what you do, right? It's like going into a restaurant, and the restaurant's like, you know what? We're going to say no loud music. And you're like, it's my right. I'm playing loud music. And you just blast loud music. And they're like, look, the sign said no loud music. We're kicking you out. And then you scream censorship about it. It's not censorship. No. Orwell was an optimist. Yeah, but this is this is a very simple thing, right? If you are going somewhere and somebody has their established rules in place, whether that's Eve Online, Twitch chat, or gee, I don't know, the restaurant at whatever town you live in, follow those rules. It's very simple. I don't know if you have anything to add, Artemis. But yeah, that's, that's what CCP is getting at. CCP is finally looking internally to say, hey, maybe instead of doing things just in this little narrow box in the game where we don't really police anything really, like maybe they should expand it further and maybe they should get terrible people out of their video game. Wormius, um, you're a troll. 
but I'm going to engage with you anyway, because this is an argument that I see quite often. When companies and organizations are considering what to ban, they're not looking at what is offensive, they're looking at what is harmful. You can certainly feel free to make the argument about offensive depends on your perspective. Harmful can be measured, and that's what they are going off of. So kindly shut the fuck up. Also, J4, I'm not sure what you mean, Twitch banned the word Pappy. Um, Twitch has, actually, Twitch does, I think, have some words that are banned across all channels. But for the most part, a streamer can tailor their um, their chat to what they do or don't want. So, like, you see, like, a lot of it's, like, chats have their own rules, right? So if you go into a channel, it's always like, oh, you have to accept these rules before you chat. So you just follow those rules or whatever. All right. We've, we've both had our little rant for this particular topic. Shall we yes. continue? Yeah, that's good. So pay attention. CCP is coming out. Uh, post on the forums if you have feedback. And if you want to support CCP in their harassment squashing endeavors, I guess you can buy skill points. It makes me so mad. Why are they selling skill points? They need to stop. Really? You don't like this, Rain? No. I am a very firm believer of the sandbox, and selling things that should only be created within the sandbox makes me mad. Hmm. I mean, okay, that's a very principled stance. I am more pragmatic and of the opinion that as long as it doesn't destabilize the sandbox, it's okay. I feel like that's a very blurry, thin-lined. It, it is a blurry, it is a thin line, but I think it's valuable to walk in that gray space because it supports new players and uh, also means that whales can lose greater and greater expensive ships. Yeah, for sure. But I guess this is this is a deal going on right now. So if you're one of those people who is trying to kickstart a new alt or would just like some more skill points, now you know about it. Other things you should know about, there is a 1v1 Battle Cruiser Proving Grounds Clash. The 1v1s, uh, particularly of like cruisers and battle cruisers, are always particularly popular and especially fun to fly in. It's it's often difficult to get a good 1v1 in these sorts of ships where you have enough fitting room to get interesting with your fitting, you have lots of buttons to pay attention to, and like pilot skill means a lot. So it's it's lovely that this is this is coming back. It should be pretty popular. It looks like today and tomorrow, the 24th and the 25th of July, are the last two days. So if you're just starting now, you might not get up on the leaderboard, but you'll certainly have some fun killing and being killed. There have been a lot of streamers doing this as well, so if you want to watch people do it and feed because you yourself don't like flying battle cruisers for whatever reason, you can definitely check that out. I know I've been kind of watching some folks go in and, and fight, and it's been, it's been a blast. I'm trying to remember what the meta was last time. Someone in chat says not to fly. I think it was a cyclone. Because apparently you can spill, it's bad karma. Because like you can spill coffee on your lap. Oh yeah, that was j one But the cyclone's so good though. I don't know, I can see how the cyclone with its hams, you could get outranged and kited pretty easily. The cyclone, the reason that it's good, I, I would suspect a lot of the things you'll see until the meta stabilizes, like a lot of stuff an average player would think to bring in are going to be heavy self-rep ships. So Cyclone, Myrmidon, Brudix, um, what else would there be? Maybe the Prophecy, but it just lacks so much DPS, you're not going to kill anything. Does Kaldari the Drake is also a tanky ship, but I don't feel like it has enough DPS and that resist bonus isn't as valuable in a 1v1 scenario as a rep bonus would be. 
Yeah, I know folks are in chat are talking. Like, apparently, Torvald did the twenty-four hour stream. I know I raided him a few times during that, but I think he had a lot of fun doing it. You've seen the Naga do very well. Yeah. Oh yeah, Battle Cruises includes the tier threes. Sounds like sounds like folks are having a lot of fun with this. Cause I don't know, I normally don't do proving ground stuff, unless it's like I like to bring friends or whatever. Cause if I want a one v one, I go to low sec. What are the meta limits? Apparently there's a double bonus to overheating modules. That's epic. So overheating your turrets mean they do twice as much of the benefit from overheating. That's so stuff insane. stuff could die very quick. I'm trying to see... Oh yeah, meta level 5. Are polarized weapons meta level 5? I think meta level 5 is T2. I have no idea. Is polarized... Polarized is better than... T2, isn't it? Well, or I mean, it depends on your depends on your perspective. Polarized, yes. they give you a massive damage bonus, but they nuke all of your resists down to zero. No polarized, says Captain Pugwash. Okay. Oh, I figured they would be higher. They're, they're allowed. Hang on. Is that one sentence, no polarized allowed, or were you correcting yourself? I am confused. The joys of interacting with Twitch chat. So now he's gonna type it all out. Meta 5 is T2, Polarize is not Meta 5, it's Meta 9. Alright, so Polarize, unfortunately, is not permitted here. If you want to fly a Polarized Fit, there are some cool YouTube videos of people taking, like, Polarized Thoraxes. It's actually something I've done. Take a Polarized Thorax out into an ESS and have some fun. If you want to, if you want to enjoy the Polarized Fit. But in this Proving Ground, keep it to T2. Yeah, for sure. So... Um, yeah, we can, yeah, I wanted to talk about the map. It looks so cool. So, for those who don't know, so everyone talks about EVE Online and Tranquility being single shard, everyone has to play on it. That's with the exception of China, because of China internet laws. So China has its own server and its own publisher, um, and that's, they call it Serenity. So if you ever hear references to Serenity, that's a reference to the, um, the Chinese player base, um, largely popular in China. I'm going to throw it out there. If you want to play in China, the way they have it set up is you have to, I believe you have to use something to the equivalent of like either a Chinese social security number or a Chinese phone number or maybe both. So playing on Serenity becomes very difficult if you are not Chinese and not in China. But Serenity is kind of having a shakeup. So for the longest time, um, because of publisher issues, they had like a stalemate where essentially two years worth of updates was not done to the game. And then now they finally got all those updates. They finally got their new publisher. And now it sounds like that they're going to have a sort of a reset, like a restart of, of Serenity, where they're going to um, move all the systems around. And so Artemis here has the map. Obviously, it's in Chinese slash Mandarin, so I have no idea what it says. But if you look at the colors, you have all of the null sec regions kind of in the middle. And then you have the low sec, high sec around the outer edges. And that's kind of the proposed new map, and there's been a lot of excitement around it from Tranquility players, kind of seeing what's going to happen with the shakeup. Yeah, and I think we were, we were discussing a little bit before the show the potential impacts of this. The first one I think that came to both of our minds was with all of the null sex systems squished together. Theoretically, unless they do something funky with the, the topography here, the the jump ranges between all of the systems will be much, much shorter which makes for a lot more activity and ease of power projection. But on the Serenity server, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal, because you are dealing with a much smaller population size. Yeah, and then like, there's... 
Oh, go on. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely going to be game changing, no matter what way you look at it. Especially like if the jump ranges are adjusted. But in terms of a group trying to find a space where they're out of range of another group, because of the size of groups on Serenity, I doubt they'll be able to like power project across the entire map unless you have the one group ruling the entire map like they do now. Yeah, and then Araya brought up if they will change the existing server or if it's a new server. And like that, I don't know. I assumed it would be changing up the server, but the fact that it might be a new one would be super interesting because then you could have people who want a new change to go over to the new one. But I'm not sure if splitting the player base is a good idea either. Vice, where I brought up the, a similar thing that you brought up to at the start of the show about where is the central trade hub going to be? Yeah, that's going to be rough for folks because. Because, I mean, everyone everyone knows Jita, you have all those central stations, but now you won't have that because the middle's on Losek. I mean, Jita itself, if we look at the map, isn't particularly centralized. I think Yulai was the one that was in the center. But it just, it's, it's become established because people invested in it, I suppose. Yeah, I wonder, with changing up the map, if they would try. Because, I mean, you do have NPC Nullsec, so I wonder if people could try for, like, an NPC Nullsec space. That would be awesome. It reminds me of um, what Alec tried to do with the with the pirate trade hubs out in Great Wildlands and in Providence. Just putting he put a Fortazar in Nine UI back when Provi Block owned Providence, and just uh, just had a, a free port in the middle of hostile space. Yeah, that's that's risky. I feel like I feel like uh yeah, if you do that, I feel like people are gonna be real grumpy and they'll camp you or something. But I also know this is always interesting to me, is Serenity, their perspective of PvP is always super different. So like a lot of people don't gate camp, they don't put points on their ships because if you're fighting it's an honor honorable fight. They don't really just like gank each other as far as I'm aware. That is very strange. Yeah, it's a different mentality, different thought process. Obviously, like not having so what we had in Tranquility with like 20 years of evolution obviously was different for the China player base. And then I'm not sure if that's affected by the fact that they truly have a blue donut over there, but it's always, those are just something I had heard from folks who would like make accounts and VPN over to the server. Fair enough. I'm excited. I want to see what happens. I wish it was easier to play on the Chinese server, but as far as I'm aware, it's super difficult. I believe this was the last thing that we had intended to talk about today. I do. Do you have anything else you want to touch on? I did mention the cool video that I watched, so that was the only other thing that I wanted to make sure that I brought in, but I, I managed to squeeze it in earlier in the show, so that's, that's all I've got. Alright, awesome. Well, I was going to say, if that's that's it for the week, we can close out. This was a super chill week. Only really touched on, only went on like, what, one or two rant, rants, but touched on a lot of things, both from the players and then from CCP. Um, ideally, we're looking forward to doing a recap of the War in the North and then sort of an intro slash history of the War in the South between Imperium and Fire and Friends. But other than that, I don't know if there's anything too big or pressing coming in um, these next few weeks that we need to be touching on. I mean, the player base should consider that a challenge. Give us something to talk about. Yeah, somebody go out and, I don't know, do like the grandest heist ever or something along those lines. It'd be interesting. But yeah, um, but yeah, thank you everyone for hanging out. Thank you, chat, for being so active and collaborative, even if we all have disagreeing opinions and need clarity. Um, I'll send you guys off to the credits and then we're going to go into a raid, so stick around for the raid. But thank you all and I hope you have a good Sunday. <laughs>